0: Would you take your Bibles and go to Jude, verse 3? Sort of a different place to start our study this morning, but we're going to kind of try to pick up right where we left off last week. We are, uh, through the month of June, taking just a, a bit of a break from our Roman study. We're walking all the way through Romans, Uh, But on this journey, we're taking a couple layovers, uh, a couple times to just talk about some very practical, necessary details in the body of Christ. Um, So that's what we're doing through the month of June, and I absolutely love these very practical pastoral elements of what we're talking about this month. Right now, we're talking about handling differences in the church. I want to preface by saying this. And we, we talked about this a bit in our elder meeting the other day. Why, why this topic? <laughs> I know some of you came to uh, some of the elders this week and like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> Are we like in the middle of some like massive church split or something? What is happening? Why is Pastor Andrew so passionate about talking about handling differences in the church? Well, I want to reassure you right now that I am not sharing these things because we're in the middle of some massive church split. No, that is not the intention at all. There's not a flare up. Uh, there, there's not something happening that we're kind of trying to hide and just, oh, I hope it doesn't explode like some volcano. No, that, that is not what is happening. So then you're asking, well, then why are you sharing this? Well, here's why we are, by God's grace, looking beyond the here and now. I mean, we want to look one day at a time, one week at a time, one month at a time, one year at a time. But at the same time, we want to look 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. By God's grace, God is going to use Cross Point Community Church to shine as a bright light in this community here and around the world. And so if you want to look at our discussions, even this week, uh, this month, sorry, Handling differences in the church. Then we're going to go right into how to how to process Mount Everest type theologies. These are all very practical in our church. Why are we talking of these things? My friends, it's because it's set in a course. It is building a foundation. I think probably as I mentioned last week, all of us have been part of churches where you have a flare up and before you know it, there is an exit of 30, 40, 50 people out of your church. My friends, I would say a vast majority of times that that happens, it is completely unnecessary. There are certainly times when that needs to happen. And we're going to talk some of that today. But I would say a majority of times where you see these these, these schisms in the church and these these. these uh, splits in the church and differences and flare-ups in the church so many times it's not necessary and so what do we want to do is we we look to the next whatever this is going to be if the Lord tarries I mean who knows my friends we not we may not be around next week by God's grace come Lord Jesus I cannot wait I was talking to my friend Chase this morning I cannot wait till Jesus comes back to redeem His own. I cannot wait for that time. Until that time though, we press on. And if God, our Father, if Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, tarries, and He leaves us on this earth for the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years, our prayer is that this place, if God sees fit, shines as a lighthouse. And that these flare-ups that might come, it's not if, it's probably when. And you might have differences. When these things come, that we know exactly where to go in God's Word to ha- handle these things. That we've processed through these things already. That it just doesn't come behind us and nail us over the head. Because we've already thought through how we're going to handle these things. So for that reason, when we study these things, please understand that it's essentially, you could put it this way, preventative n- maintenance. That's what we're doing right now. So thank you for listening. I want to start in a passage because this kind of rocks your world when you see it. You're like, whoa! This kind of just takes you by a bit of surprise. We went through this as our our men's Bible study on Tuesday mornings. We studied through uh, Jude, the chapter, which is also the book of Jude. And in Jude, verse 3, you find something very important from Christ's half-brother. we're talking about a man who himself had contention with Jesus up until after the resurrection of Christ. Jude sees the validity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this Jude, by God's grace, writes these things about Christ. And I want to just read one verse. And this will kind of launch us into the rest of the discussion today. Jude himself, through the Holy Spirit, writes this, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Why do I start with that verse? Here's why. There are doctrines taught in this this church. There are necessary doctrines that we interact with every day. In studies. There are some things, as we ended out our discussion last week, there are some things that we talk about in this church that are worth dying for, my friends. You defend them with all you have. But at the same time, there are discussions we have in this room. There's discussions we have in some of our studies that they aren't at that same level, my friends. There are agreeable disagreements in our body where there's times you can go to a study and know that there's a person sitting on the other side of that room that doesn't see eye to eye with you on one of these side issues. And so you go to the Scriptures and you find earnestly contend for the faith. Well, we need to identify what it is that we earnestly contend for. Because I think probably all of you have noticed there's times in your life when you have one of these supporting type doctrines and someone gets up in the body and they're ready to go to blows over one of these things. And you're like, whoa, hold on for a second. This is not one of those areas of doctrines that you fight in the body about. Nonetheless, there are some areas of doctrines, my friend, that if they creep uh, creep into this room, they creep into our studies, these doubts I'm referring to, even these false prophets I'm referring to, these ones that shake at our core the foundation of who we are as Christians, my friends, we go to battle as soldiers of Jesus Christ. Please understand that. Okay, so in all I just said, though, right there, where do we go? Well, in a very kind way, and I need to say that because my wife says I get very intense up here somewhat sometimes. <laughs> I do, man. I, I love sports. Uh, wrestling was one of my sports. Soccer. I would get my game face on. I'd be ready to go. When that whistle blew, I mean, for the soccer game or for the wrestling match, I was ready to go at it. And sometimes I feel that same way on Sunday mornings. I'm seeing my friends, I'm talking to my friends, I'm ready to go. I step into our prayer room over here with the music team, I'm praying. Uh, they come out here and a lot of times I'll go to my knees and pray God's grace for what's happening right here. I'm stepping out, I'm enjoying worship, and then it's like go time. And sometimes I'm just gonna be like, take a deep breath, Andrew. So I'm gonna also take a deep breath because we're not going to battle in my sermon. Please understand this comes from a heart of grace and kindness and joy, and I love all of you as I walk through this. Nonetheless, these are things we we should talk about, and there should be an element, I think, of passion that comes with these type things. But, differences. What differences are we talking about? There's some differences in background, some differences in interests, some likes, some dislikes, some personalities, some temperaments. Some qualities, some giftings, some theological persuasions, some political persuasions. We have a bit of a vote happening this week in our county. And guess what? I guarantee that not everyone in this room is on the same page about these politics. There are differences in the body of Christ. And so our key idea as we walk through these things and we think of Jude 3 is this. All believers should carefully evaluate how they handle differences in the body of Christ. (coughs) Let's just jump right in. If you turn your hand out... Actually, no, let's stay on the front for a minute. Last week, we talked about this as we try to keep it our goals to handle these differences in a godly fashion, whatever they might be, and we'll see in just a minute there's two primary areas of difference. As we pray God's grace for this, as as we try to handle these things, what do we do? Well, I just mentioned the first one. As they encounter differences within the body, within the church, believers should number one, pray, 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 pray God's grace for biblical charity, for biblical humility, for biblical discernment. Last week we went to Philippians chapter 1, 9 through 11. And when you think about the church of Philippi, you're thinking about a church with some very strong personalities. (laughs) A lot of military background happening in this church of Philippi. In fact, Paul, through the Spirit, calls out two ladies in the church in the book of Philippi, by name, and says, stop fighting. (laughs) Okay, quick time out. How would you like to be one of those (laughs) Sorry, one of those ladies. I think that's very possible we might be uh, interacting with them for all eternity in the new heavens and the new earth. And we're going to walk around, and I'm just being, a, my imagination's gone, but we're going to walk up to them. I'm going to be like, oh, you're the one. <laughs> you are the one that was the example for 2,000 plus years of church history. Yodas and Senteke, blessed ladies in the scriptures. Their names are in the Bible as examples of stop fighting. When you think about this in Scripture, how do you handle these differences? Well, Paul, by God's grace in Philippians, tells us, he actually shows us where to start with these differences. And here's what he says. Pray! He says this, And this I pray! That your love may overflow. It may abound more and more. But it's just not like we talked about last week. This sloppy agape, this lovey-dovey, anything-goes type of a, of a love. No. In the Scripture it says, with all knowledge and all discernment. My friends, as we approach these differences in the church, yes, love is to abound. But friends, we approach it by God's grace with discernment. And so as we mentioned last week, I'm surprised even on my own account when I hear of differences or see them or have them in my own life with another follower of Christ, I'm surprised that it takes me so long to go to my knees and pray about it. And then all of a sudden, it's like the Holy Spirit whacks whacks you upside the head and says, what are you doing? Go to your knees, Andrew! My friends, that's where we start. Anytime there's a discussion of differences in the church, we better be on our knees. We better be seeking God's face as to how we handle these differences biblically. All right, next one, we said seek God's Word. God's direction book is so clear on these things, God's Word is the providential guide in the entire matter. Last week we went to. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and see as saw as Paul shares with Timothy his other son in the faith uh, Titus and Timothy but his son in the faith how to handle these differences and he says preach the word go to God's word it is sufficient for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction and in li- in righteousness everything you need in regard to how the church should function how we act when it comes to doctrine you're going to find it in God's Word. You're going to find some direction. And if it doesn't deal with it directly, you're going to find principles that help guide you through these differences. We run to God's Word. Now today, we're going to go to number two, or sorry, three and four. We're just going to kind of couple these together. Again, this is going to be a very practical discussion today. Um... Number three, how do we handle differences in the body of Christ? Well, we need to identify exactly what the difference is. We need to identify what the nature of the difference is. Uh, Last week, we looked at the fact that there's two primary differences in any church. Any difference in a church, you're going to find, usually comes under one of two categories, theology or lifestyle. Uh, And then there's subcategories beyond that. Today we're going to dial in on the theological part of these differences. Next week we'll dial in on the lifestyle differences in the body of Christ. Um, And then, number four, we need to pray God's grace that we respond discerningly to all differences. Let's um, Let's just start with number three. Identify the nature of differences again. As we talked about last week, the two differences in the body, generally speaking, and this is where you can go to the back of your handout there, the differences will be theological or lifestyle. Those are two primary categories you think about differences in the church. Just very practically, you might find disagreement in the church with someone when it comes to theology, or you might find some disagreement in the church when it comes to how they're living their their life and how you're living your life. Let's dial in on the theology part of this. And when we think about the theology part of this, there's going to be three subcategories. I introduced these last week. Differences in the body are going to come in one of three ways, or one of three areas. First one we think of, it is foundational doctrines. And my friends, every single one of these three things will require massive discernment and a biblical response. So, in just a minute, we're going to analyze what foundational doctrines we're talking about, and then, by God's grace, how do we respond to differences in foundational doctrines? All right, then secondly, if for lack of a better term, functional differences, differences in functional doctrines, and then third, as we'll get to this before we're done today, and then... Supportive doctrines. Last week I had put a word on their fringe doctrines. Um, you'll understand what I mean when I give a metaphor of the circle, but I think that sent a picture that might not be wonderfully received. Because all these doctrines are important. There's not certain doctrines that you look at and you're like, uh, those ones don't matter. <laughs> no, and, that, and, and sometimes people will look at these doctrines and say, essential, non-essential doctrines. I see what they're saying. You probably see what they're saying. But my friend, God intends every single doctrine in Scripture for a reason. They're important. Now some will hold more importance than other areas of doctrines, as we see in just a minute. Um, Just like the illustration we ended last week. You remember the illustration, and we're going to return to this a couple times. If you run into the ER, you're going to be prioritized. I don't, I'm not a medical person, you know, but I know there are certain ways to handle certain things. There's like a code red. There's other codes that you work through in the, in the triage department of the ER. If you walk into the ER and you clearly only have like a bit of an upset stomach, they're going to deal with you in order. If you walk into the ER and you're clearly having a heart attack... They're not going to say, okay, go sign in. Uh, give us all this information. Go to the back. Just wait. It'll only be about 45 minutes. No, no, you're going to handle those type things immediately. I mean, it's the same when it comes to how we handle areas of doctrines. There's certain areas of doctrine. We're going to talk about those in just a minute. Particularly areas, if I just throw them out there, of our eschatology. Well, that's eschatology. Big word for what Jesus is going to do at the end times. How is he going to bring completion to all of this? Sometimes we go (coughs) to these calendars and these lists and we're like, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And someone else in the body says, "Mm, no, no, this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, then this is going to happen. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa. Is it time to earnestly contend for the faith? No, my friend. That is not a first-order doctrine that we go to blows over. You understand what we're talking about. So we need to pray that God gives us grace to understand how to handle these all important doctrines but handled in different ways. All right, so let's start with the first one. Foundational doctrines. What are we talking about when it comes to foundational doctrines? I think this would be a great way of saying these. These are primary doctrines doctrines of the faith that are clearly taught in Scripture and are essential for the Gospel to work. What do you mean? If you don't have one of these foundational doctrines, the Gospel in some form will fall apart. That is why people call these essential or non-negotiable doctrines. All right, now you're sitting there thinking, oh, what is he talking about? Well, let me just give you a couple illustrations, examples of these type doctrines. This is not exhaustive, but I'm going to tell you, when you think of doctrines that there's no flex in, these are the ones. What am I talking about? The authority of God's Word. My friends at Cross Point Community Church, we believe in the inspired Word of God that is our sole authority for faith and practice. It is sufficient for all areas of life. We hold to this with all we have. And you're like, now, maybe you're like saying, well, how does that relate to the gospel? My friend, if the word of God is not sufficient and accurate, then the gospel falls apart because you can't trust what God says about the gospel. We hold to the word of God. The authority and sufficiency of the word of God. My friends, that is a foundational doctrine at Cross Point Community Church. And what's another one you might... Under to the second one, the divine existence of the Trinity. We're talking about the eternal existence of the great three in one. One God, three persons. Not three gods one uh, expressed in different persons. One God, we are monotheistic, and the Scripture teaches it clearly, in three persons. If I could just say this, the gospel would not work without all three members of the Trinity. You're drawn by the Spirit through the Word. You're chosen by God's sovereign grace. You are saved because of the sacrifice of the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We hold to the Trinity with all we have. This is a non negotiable foundation of theology at Cross Point Community Church. Here's another one the deity, and I would say this the full deity an actual full humanity of Christ. Clearly taught in Scriptures. Jesus Christ was fully God. Jesus Christ is fully man. At the same time, why? In order that He might fully redeem. Okay, that is a non-negotiable doctrine for us at Cross Point Community Church. Why? Because if God was not fully God, He could not identify with the holiness of God. If God was not fully man, he could not identify with the sinfulness of man. The gospel falls apart if you teach or preach some form of gospel that is not in line with the fact that God is fully God or Jesus is fully God, Jesus is fully man at the same time in order that he might fully redeem. So not right now you're like Please trust me, these are important. These are foundational to what we believe. Another one we would put on there is justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. This is what you hear every single Sunday at Cross Point Community Church, and you should. What am I talking about? Although true faith is a working faith, that's the way the Scriptures describes it. Although true faith is a working faith, our salvation is by God's sovereign grace, not our, un- our earned merit. You cannot earn God's favor, my friend. We teach that. We preach that. That's what separates this church, this doctrine, from, from so many different world religions. Now, in Modern cults. You cannot earn this God's favor. We put our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That is why Jesus Himself in John 14 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It's not Jesus plus something equals salvation. Do you understand? Jesus saves. It's why Peter in Acts 4 stands and preaches, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This is foundational to who we are. This This is why Paul, to his son of the ministry, Timothy, says, there's one God... There's one man, a uh, mediator between God and man. it is the man, Christ, Jesus. My friends, these are foundation. I want to go to two uh, actually, before I do that. Uh, sometimes we think uh, this will never happen at Cross Point Community Church. There'll be never anybody that would come and, and be part of our body and that would doubt these things. I might remind you that Jesus Christ himself, the Sermon on the Mount says something very important. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. I might remind you that Paul, to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, says this, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God, Sorry, RG. I know that was offensive to you. Just, joking. just joking. Just completely joking. He's probably going to adjust the temperature. Is it hot in here? It's getting hot in here. Whew. You got to break the the tension somehow, right? I'm talking about ravenous wolves. I, I, I love how. Paul deals with this to the churches in Galatia in Galatians chapter one. He says this I am astonished that you so quickly that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning, and are turning to a different gospel. And then he, it's, it's great how it was explained here. Not that there is another one. <laughs> but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. My friends, this is the real deal. There are those who want to doubt or cause distortion when it comes to primary, core doctrines of our faith. And that is why Jude very clearly says, earnestly contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. These are things we hold to with all we have. I want to kind of dial in on a couple of pictures here kind of feels like we're in preschool right now, but that's okay. This is how my mind thinks. All right, I I love illustrations like this. A three-tier circle and a house, okay? So if we want to think about how foundational doctrines relate to these two illustrations, here's how. First of all, the three-tier circle. When you think about the three-tier circle, at the very center, the core, is the foundation of who we are, Okay? If you were to take this core away, then you'd have a donut. Amen, Diane? Yeah, praise Jesus. However, we don't like donut theology. The Bible doesn't. We like donuts eating them, but we don't like donut theology. Why? Because it's all a substance and not the truth that we hold to so dearly. This is the foundation. This is the core. This is primary. This is center to who we are you think of it in terms of a house i know there's several construction people here when you think of the house you're going to have different different parts of your house you're going to have a foundation but more than just have a foundation you're going to have framework you're going to have siding and you're going to have a roof all of those necessary for you to be able to exist in this house successfully when we think about foundational doctrines foundational doctrines are the center the core of who we are foundational doctrines are the foundation the walls and the roof of our doctrinal house you got to have these that make sense all right thank you RG he must have repented he's back for more how do you respond how do you respond by God's grace we pray about it how do we respond to issues in the body that have to do with those foundational doctrines being attacked. I love passages in the Scripture, and there's so many of them that talk about your love abounding, overflowing. But it's love that abounds in knowledge and all discernment. I love how it talks about uh, warning people and working through these things, but to do all things with charity. Certainly that's part of it. But we cannot ignore that very clearly that passage on your lap right now, unless you've turned to another one, Jude, in Jude verse 3, says very clearly, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Why? Why? Because that doctrine, that faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, matters when it comes to our common salvation. They go together. So, what do we do? To those who try to subtly undermine the sufficiency of God's written word, my friend, we earnestly (laughs) contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Those who discount the necessity of the Trinity, Oh, we pray for discernment. We show kindness, but my friend, we earnestly contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. For those who might try to discount the reality of Christ's full deity and actual humanity. By the way, you don't think that's going to happen. My friends, that's happening in this very town right now. Those who claim the gospel of Jesus Christ don't claim that Jesus was fully divine when He was on this earth. My friend, that is the teaching of false prophets. You don't find that in the Scriptures. To those who do that, my friend, what do we do? We earnestly contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. We hold to these things with everything we have. To those who teach, you can make it to God by doing enough good works. Sure, we show them the grace of God. We show them the kindness of God. We preach the wonderful good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that transfers the burden from your shoulders to the cross of Jesus Christ. But what do we do? We don't relax in these areas. We don't say, okay, you can have good works and Jesus. No, we run to books like Colossians that say, no, you are complete in Jesus Christ. You cannot work your way to God. My friends, when it comes to these things, we earnestly contend for the faith, once for all delivered to the saints. Does this make sense? I hope so. Let us go to now another area of this, and we may not work our way all the way through this today. We'll see. But we find now from these foundational doctrines that bring us together, the core of who we are, to functional doctrines. These are functional teachings in the body of Christ. Okay, let's define this right away. These are important doctrines that are not essential to the function of the gospel. Time out. Okay, these are things where you you can have a variant of idea and belief in this, but still be saved. Does that make sense? All right. so, important doctrines, and they're all important, that are not essential for the function of the gospel, but are important for the function of the church. These are things that mean something to who we are as a church. Here are some examples, and I'll just throw these out there. There's so much more that we can talk about when it comes to these things. These are things like church polity, uh, the organizational details of the church. You're talking about leadership structure. Do you have a plurality of elders, or do you have a senior pastor model? That seems to be a hot topic here in the last five years. But you can still be saved without believing there's a plurality of eldership you understand what I'm talking about? All right? So, there's functional doctrines in the church. We're talking about church polity. This is te- technically a non-denominational church. So, you're going to have some that come from different backgrounds and different uh, uh, denominations. You're going to probably have experienced the Lord's Supper or the ordinances, uh, the Lord's Supper and baptism in a different way that we do here. My friend, it's it's okay. It's alright. We're talking about church purpose and mission. Um, So easily misguided from being this this seeker-sensitive type model to being consumed with the glory of God and the preaching of the gospel. These can so easily be divergent in the body of Christ. Another illustration, which is a hot topic, would be views of church gifting including would be views on modern tongues, visions, healings. There are important teachings in the Bible about the past purpose for and function of these, but in most cases, the Gospel itself is not dependent on these issues. However, my friend, you have to be careful with the overlap. Why? Because there are some that teach you are not truly a saved child of God until you express one of these outer gifts that's where there's an overlap. So then we run back to the foundational truths, we dial in on our foundational truths, we tighten down the nuts and bolts of our foundational truth, but then we clarify our functional doctrines. So if we were to go to our illustrations, you think about the circle, the three-tier circle, where would you find the functional doctrines? You would have to find them somewhere like this. They're not core, they're functional. Functional doctrines would have to be the second tier of the circle. These doctrines are not core of the circle. The circle can still be a circle without the second tier. However, these functional doctrines expand the usefulness and meaning of the entire circle. We love second tier theology. It's okay to love it. Why? Because it helps us to function well as a church. And if you go to the house illustration, if the foundational doctrines are the actual foundation, the walls, the roof, what then would be the functional doctrines? I think you would have to run to your electric panel to find out about that. You'd have to see the, the valves to turn off your water and on your water, you'd have to see the fixtures. Can your house be a house without the electric panel? Yes. Can your house be a house without the water? Yes. Can your house be a house without the fixtures? Yes. However, all of those things matter to the actual function of what happens inside that house. You following what I'm saying with these illustrations? All right. So the truth is, you will often have differences in the church over functional doctrines. Now let's jump into this with discernment. What should our response be in these functional doctrines? Naturally, you will enjoy close fellowship in the same church community, the same body of Christ with, not, with like-minded believers. But the temptation is to think we are the only ones that got it right ever. And so because of that, we're going to earnestly contend with that church over there who might practice the lord's supper just a tad different their means of, self, of baptism a bit different do you understand where we're going here so very easily what crowds into these functional doctrines is arrogance my friends these are people that we're going to spend eternity with in heaven do you understand these are people that have come to jesus christ in saving faith they have believed in these core truths So naturally, in the 21st century, how do we work through these things? You're going to gravitate very naturally to believers that you see eye to eye with in these areas. That's natural. You're going to gather with different ones that that see polity a certain way, that see ordinances a certain way. You're going to gather with people that see the function, the purpose, and the mission of the church a certain way. That's okay. Okay. But my friends, there's also going to be times when you're going to gather in your neighborhood with other believers who have come to Jesus Christ in saving faith that don't see eye to eye with you on these things, and you're going to have a wonderful dinner together trying to reach your other neighbors. You're going to get together with a coworker that has come to Jesus Christ in saving faith that has fallen differently in their denomination, and you're going to go to coffee with them, and guess what? You're going to thank God for His grace on both of your lives. Do you understand what I'm talking about? In areas of function and differences you're going to have very close fellowship with those in your own body, but you're not going to resist and arrogantly push everyone else out. Does that make sense? Okay, let's walk to the third one. And I know there'll be more questions about this, uh, what we just said, but that's okay. Uh, real quickly, before we move to the next one, how do you handle these, these functional doctrines in the triage department? All right, The triage department, when you walk into ER... Uh, how, how do you handle the functional aspects? OK? If you think about the emergencies of the ER, you 're talking about your heart attacks, or we 're talking about your gunshot victims. <laughs> we're talking about your car accident people that need treated right away. I think how we handle functional differences would be the same way you might handle a broken leg. You might handle a sprained ankle. These are things that help you function, but guess what? You're not going to be seen immediately in the ER. You might be able to wait half hour. You understand what I'm saying? There's "There's differences of importance when you go to the triage. And my friends, when we think of these things, we have to keep these orders and tiers in line in our minds. Let's go to the third one. Supportive doctrines. All right. What are we talking about? important doctrines that are not essential to the function of the gospel. Alright, so the gospel can still work without the supportive doctrine. Nor the function of the church. The church can still function without this supportive doctrine. But, the supportive doctrines provide insight, the insightful details about God's amazing story. These are doctrines that you run to when you want to see the beauty of God's redemptive plan. All right, you're, you're thinking about some illustrations in your own mind right now while I'm pausing, aren't you? What supportive doctrines are you talking about, Pastor Andrew? Okay, can I make this real? Can I make this real to what we're about to study in Romans 9 through 11, some supportive doctrines? Here they are, the doctrines of divine election. There's difference of opinions in this room based on your background, and I understand that of how you hold to certain ones of these doctrines, the doctrines of divine election. All right, what's known theologically as order salutis. Okay, um, if I could just make this basic: you have been chosen because you believe you would believe, or you believe because you have been chosen. That is a hot topic debate. I'm going to tell you, God, by His grace, has led me in certain conclusions to that, that you probably haven't, in, your, in His grace in your own life, come to some of those same, same conclusions. That's okay. Although, I get the platform. Do <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? However, by this platform, I understand that not everyone's going to fall in the same place with some of these supportive doctrines. Same as our elder team. We better teach God's Word the way we see it. I mean, we, we are part of a, of a church here where we're convinced of God's beauty and His redemptive plan. I am going to teach that to the max. But there are certain ways you handle some of these supporting doctrines that are different than the foundational doctrines. I would say a very clear one would be the details about the end times. Okay, I, I'm most of the time convinced on most of the do, uh, details of the end times. And then I read through 1 Thessalonians and again, and I'm like, oh, I better go back to Daniel and read. And then I read Daniel, and I'm like, oh, man, I better go back to Revelation. You know what I mean. I, these are supporting doctrines that you believe in these things, and you love these things. Why? Because they give us a view of how amazing our God is. They fulfill the redemptive story where we teach these in the church. Why? Because it shows us how awesome this gospel is. Nonetheless, there's different ways to handle these supporting doctrines. Back to our wonderful illustration. The three tiers. Obviously, you know where you're going to put these supporting doctrines. This is why last week I called it a fringe doctrine. All right? These are things where you can still have a circle without the outer ring. Do you understand what I mean? However, we teach the outer ring here. Why? Because it makes us understand how beautiful God is. Understanding there's going to be some variant in this church, as a non-denominational church, as a church that encourages people to study the word like the Bereans, we're going to teach a certain type of outer doctrine supportive doctrine Uh, i praise god for the unity in our in our elder team as we think through some of these things as we pray through some of these things as we teach through some of these things but nonetheless we're not going to cram the supportive doctrines down your throat understand what i mean um all right if we're in the church if we're in the house what do you think the supportive doctrines might be okay if the foundational doctrines are the foundation the walls and the roof if the functional doctrines are the electric panel, the water, the fixtures, what then would be the supportive doctrines that show us the beauty and function? It would, be your, uh, it would be like your appliances, your furniture. It would be like the wall decorations. You ever walked into your house when you first moved into the house and you're like, ooh, that's kind of bland? You start hanging stuff and you're like, now it feels like home. All right? You can still live in your home without that. Do you understand? And we understand when it comes to these supporting doctrines that not everyone in this room is going to dial in on the same essence and, and, and the same structure of the end times. Not everyone in this room is going to believe every aspect of the dynamics of the doctrines of grace. We're still going to teach them, we're going to walk through them understanding their place as supporting doctrines. So how to respond to supporting doctrines? I would say we agree to disagree while still enjoying close fellowship. My friends, there's a reason to enjoy close fellowship here. I think we run to passages like Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says, "I." Therefore, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which you were called, have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Practically, the beauty lies in this. We don't all have to agree on the timing of the rapture to enjoy close fellowship. <laughs> We don't all have to agree in the dynamics of the doctrines of grace to enjoy close fellowship. Sure, we will have a church doctrinal statement. You must have this. This brings solidarity to our church. Sure, our doctrinal statement will provide some of the supporting elements of doctrine. Sure, the elders here will faithfully teach it as we see it from God's Word. Sure, you are encouraged to deeply consider the biblical arguments of your pastors. Yes, you are. But in some of these aspects, it's okay to disagree, to disagree and still enjoy close fellowship as a body of believers. So what? Where do we go from here? I think we asked this question. Will you handle differences, and specifically today, theological differences? Next week we're going to look at lifestyle differences. How do you handle lifestyle differences differently? How do you work through that? But will you handle theological differences at Cross Point Community Church discerningly and biblically? With foundational doctrines, my friends, along with me, will you earnestly contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints? Will you hold to the truths that make you a Christian? When it comes to functional doctrines, will you appreciate how God's church functions? But will you not arrogantly restrict your fellowship on a casual level? Will you you not restrict it to anyone and everyone that believes the same way you do about how church should look? Naturally, we're going to enjoy fellowship here together. But my friends, your neighbors, some of them have come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, and guess what? They don't attend Crosspoint Community Church. That's okay. Will you show them the love of Christ and enjoy casual fellowship with these believers? And then, how do we handle supportive doctrines? Will you agree, in a certain sense, to disagree in some of the finer details of these supportive doctrines while doing whatever you can, my friend, at Crosspoint Community Church to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace? Some of you are visiting with us today. <laughs> what a wonderful service to visit on. I'm so glad you're here. But this is the reality of who we are. Right, you know when you have someone to your house, you want to make things every, all clean and set up and smell good and candles and all that stuff? And there's other times people pop in your house and you're like, oh, it's not all clean and it's not all and we have to have this. To see. I kind of feel like that right now. We are thrilled you are here today. But you're seeing a reality of the body of Christ, some of the finer details of how we work through unity. And that's okay. It's okay for you to be here. And if you have questions about some of these things we talked about, I would say run to those foundational doctrines, those illustrations we give of examples that we hold to. My friends, guess what? Jesus Christ went to the cross for your sins. These are things we hold to and we preach every Sunday from this pulpit. Why? Because someday you're going to stand before a holy God. And the only, only way that god will ever accept you into his presence is through faith in his son jesus christ who took your sins on him on the tree my friend if you're visiting with us today and some of this made sense i would say if there's nothing that made sense please by god's grace study that that jesus went to the cross for you and so god we thank you for the time we could spend in your word today a lot of in-house discussion a lot of uh things that we may not want to talk about, but things we need to talk about. And I pray, God, Your grace. I pray that we would, as we claim and as we hope, that we would keep the gospel of Your glorious grace central at Crosspoint Community Church. But then we would be discerning as we navigate through some of these other doctrines of the faith, that we would right-size who we are, right-size Your teachings, and right-size You by Your grace.